Good morning, church. Our scripture reading today is uh, from the Gospel of John, third chapter, verses 1 through 17. Now, this uh, is probably going to be very familiar to most of you, especially uh, John 3.16, which is probably one of the best-known pieces of scripture in uh, all of Christendom. So I want you to uh, consider um, doing things a little bit differently this morning, both here and and at home. Um, I want you to listen with your heart rather than with your ears or or eyes. And perhaps uh, take a deep breath. Um, Perhaps consider closing your eyes. And as I read the scripture, um, if something prompts you by the Holy Spirit to uh, remember, perhaps meditate on it uh, later today and later this week as we enter the second week of Lent. Hear now God's word. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. And what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we do not know, and we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet we do not receive our tes- you did not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So around February of last year, I had my second son, who just turned one. And as is apparently a very popular thing, in maternity leave, I decided that the spirit was shifting me in a different direction. I had been a three-quarter time minister in Federal Way, and the church was great. There was nothing, you know, going on wrong or any controversy or anything like that. But I just was very unsettled and honestly unhappy and had been doing hospice work sort of part-time per diem. And one day I said to my supervisor, when I just called for, you know, tax information, I said, hey, if you have any idea of any full-time work, you know, let me know. She says, well, actually, we have an opening. Do you want it? It's yours. Well, that was a Friday, and I almost had a panic attack after she said that and said, well, let me think about it. I will call you back on Monday, and we'll go from there. You know, when God leads you in a direction, sometimes it's very obvious direction. Well, when I began my journey from per diem, part-time hospice ministry to full-time hospice ministry with a young infant, it became this incredibly serendipitous moment. Going to the bedsides of those at end of life, watching caregivers lovingly try and reposition them, feed them, breathe with them. It felt like deja vu. It felt like how it feels when I was holding my son, feeding my son, dressing my son. Even the incoherent babbling that is often heard from those who are suffering or dying from Alzheimer's and dementia, it was as if my child was speaking to me. It wasn't infantilizing those who were passing, but it was looking into this sacred window and recognizing just how cyclical life is. For many caregivers who are taking care of their loved ones at the end of their life, they will often say, it's like taking care of an infant. For many who are still coherent and cognizant, but reaching that end of their life, they will even say, it feels almost like I'm going back to when I was a baby. This being born as a helpless child and at the end almost being once again like a helpless child. It's this beautiful circle of life. We hear these words of Jesus in John. John talking to Nicodemus. It's that great Sunday school story of Nicodemus up in the tree, and Jesus says, you know, come down from the tree and let me come over for dinner. That's not Nicodemus. Oh, my goodness. That's Zacchaeus. I was just making sure you were paying attention. I haven't preached in a long time, folks. Well, Nicodemus, still a leader, still goes over for dinner. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But you have this conversation, though, where he says to him, you must be born again. 
And Nicodemus, who is a Jewish leader, who knows the Torah, the scriptures, inside and out and upside down, is like, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? How can I enter into my mother's womb once more? And Jesus goes on to say that we are both flesh and spirit, that we are womb and spirit. It reminds me of that idea of the cyclical nature of life, that we are all from the womb water. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus is that in that womb water, it is that water alone that connects us to the very life force of God. In Jewish custom, it is customary to go and to cleanse oneself in the waters, the mikvah. It is meant to purify oneself so that in purifying yourself, you can come before God and you can receive God's blessings and forgiveness. And what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus almost sounds like he's saying, you can bypass the mikvah and it is in our womb water that we are connected to God. And it is also in the spirit. It is also in the spirit in that we hear these words, the beginning of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. This womb water that connects us, this radically inclusive womb water that is not defined by our race or our economic standing or any other part of ourselves. It is universal. God, in this passage, Jesus is saying God so loved the world. There's not a period yet, but I want to kind of put one there for now. Maybe a comma for us. It is not God so loved the Jews. Jesus is talking to a Jewish leader. He could have easily made John 3.16, God so loved the Jews. Therefore, he gave his son. But instead, he says, God so loved the world. This is radical radically inclusive, that womb water that is welcome for every person, not just the Jews, Jesus is saying, but anybody. And this dialogue that they have together, Jesus and Nicodemus, where he, in essence, questions his authority. Aren't you a leader of God's people? How can you not understand what it is to be born again? This radical love of God for all people. It is a love that is not exclusionary, which is very ironic in the sense that this verse has been used to be very exclusionary. I grew up in the Assemblies of God Pentecostal church, and the joke is, is how do you tell a Pentecostal from an evangelical or any other Christian is that the Pentecostals think the evangelicals are also going to hell. <laughs> the main mode and foundation of the very church I grew up in was about converting people, getting souls into heaven. And this verse was used more often than not. This verse was used not only in a way to sort of provoke people into becoming Christians, but also became sort of a magical prayer. If you could pray the sinner's prayer, you could get your golden ticket into heaven and you'd be good. 
But this conversation, when we put it in context that Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, has absolutely nothing to do with some eternal life after you die, but has to do with what is going on in your life now. And has to do with a God who loves the world, not just Jews. Which, therefore, is inclusive, not exclusive. It is not something meant to be held up trying to make people into some sort of homogeneous one idea, one dogma, one look, one belief system, one way of worshiping and being, but instead it is calling us into a radical way of being. And that's that second part of John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God gives Jesus to live life with us. God gives Jesus to bring that heaven on earth, as we say in the Lord's Prayer. It is not about some after-death in heaven utopia that we go to, but it is about bringing that very image of heaven to here on earth. It is the opposite of being exclusionary. In fact, it challenges us. It challenges us into that really wonderful word. Uh, it's very popular these days called intersectionality. This idea that we are not just our race or our gender or our sexuality or our economic status, but we are all different things at the same time. And because of that, we are all connected. That when we begin to live into what Jesus did in his ministry and his life and his teaching, it really challenges us to be able to acknowledge and recognize that you are my brother, my sister, my sibling in Christ. That you are my non-binary beloved. And that we are connected even if I don't know your name. That the oppression and the prejudice that is happening to the people of color in our neighborhoods and in our country and in our world is my problem too. It is not my job to fix it for them, but it is my job to be willing to listen and be led to have a conversation, to be relational. And this is the last part of this verse. How do you get heaven on earth? Anybody have a good answer? If you do, you should probably run for president or UN general secretary or, you know, one of those positions. How you get heaven on earth is through relationship. It's a conversation like Jesus is having with Nicodemus. It's the reality of Jesus living life with God's people, of heaven on earth. How that happens it's that beginning of that verse, for God so loved the world, for I so loved the world, for I so loved my neighbor. There's a thing that you are told when you have a child, whether you've birthed a child, whether you have adopted a child, but it is an important thing 
to do with infants. And it's called skin to skin. It's especially important if you have a premature or uh, NICU child in that you place a child onto your chest, skin to skin. And that child begins to feel and hear your heartbeat and the rhythm of your breathing. And they will start to sink to your breathing and to your heart rate. Well, there's also a thing that you can do when someone is at the end of life. Even when someone is completely comatose, nonverbal, not able to necessarily hold a conversation or even be awake, is you can sit with them. And if you start intentionally breathing, they will start breathing with you. This image of breath, of inhaling and exhaling with each other, this spiritual skin to skin, this is spirit. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which means breath that we are called literally to breathe with one another, heart to heart. And when we begin to breathe, to live life with one another, we begin to breathe at the rhythm of something that far exceeds possibility and begins to bring a little of heaven on earth. Amen. I will give this back. I promise I didn't mess up your pages.